Welcome to another episode of Fermented Faith, a podcast where we talk about the impact that the gospel has on the everyday things of life. My name is Neil Platon. I'm here with Jordan Bird and Anthony Harris. Hello. Hey, hey. And today's episode is on jean shorts. When is it right to wear them? <laughs> Absolutely never. <laughs> episode over. <laughs> no, no. Thanks for listening. <laughs> no, no more. Was that directed more. at Micah? Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> Mr. Oakley, if you're listening, <laughs> not naming any names. Um, but no, seriously, today's episode is on <laughs> masculinity, toxic masculinity, and the effects it has on us as as men, women, everyone. So that is today's topic. But first, before we get into that, we would like to dive in explore the complicated life of Anthony Harris. <laughs> I don't seem to think my life's that complicated. <laughs> I'm happy to, think, to see that you are. Well, thinking clarify that. and simplify it for us, Anthony. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about you. Well, and why are you here on at, at this table discussing yeah. why this are stuff? You here? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I, I wonder you. that sometimes myself. Why am I at this table? Um, well, you know, I, I'm a not necessarily born and raised, but was raised in Southern Illinois. Um, went to school just a few towns over. I um, grew up, served my country in the military. I've had a random list of jobs here and there. I'm kind of a, uh, I like to describe myself almost as like a Swiss Army tool. I can kind of adapt to any situation in the workforce. Um, I married the Examples mo- are what? I've been a store manager for Walmart. I have been in the correctional field on several different positions there. I have worked for a privatized food management company out of Chesterfield. I have worked in nursing homes. I I have actually sold cars at one time. And now I'm actually the general manager slash Finishing, finalizing paperwork to be a franchise owner of Applebee's. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. I also have the most beautiful and gracious wife, um, Miss Erin. I have two lovely children. And I have this great place called home of my church, The Journey SI. Of which you are a pastoral resident. In which I am a pastoral resident. Some like to refer to me as the PIT, P-I-T, pastor in training. Um, I have several different roles here. I, we've kind of launched a couple new ministry things that I kind of help lead on the front end, such as our cross recovery and prison ministry is kind of the the big one that I'm forefronting, if you would. But yeah, that's that's a little bit on me. One one real quick fun thing though, um, I share with both gentlemen at the table currently. Uh, me and Neil. Both were residents of the ghetto state of Washington. Mm-hmm. We were both Yakka Vegas yeah. livers. You guys. Was it around the same time? No. 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 Okay. No. We wouldn't have talked back then. <laughs> <laughs> the reason being, no, the reason being, I say that. So I was roughly about 16 ish when I actually lived out that way. And which brings me to the, my connection with the other gentleman at the table, Jordan Bird. Me and Jordan actually have a great little 
re-meeting scenario. Origin story. Yeah, sure. Origin story. Thank you. Origin story. <laughs> but um, I actually attended Jordan's youth group a couple times when he had just kind of started. I want to say it was his first job as a youth pastor. So he was about 19. I was... 16, 17-ish, or 20, I think you were. I'm sorry. I started when I was 19, so he was probably 19 or 20. Yeah, so about there. And um, I, I really, I used to actually make fun of Jordan when I first met him because in my head I was like, oh, this whole lanky guy, he you know, he thinks he's cool. And I, I kind of mocked Faith a little bit at that time because it was one of those, oh, it's not cool to be in religion when you're a high school kid. But anyway. So why were you there then? I was there to hang out with my buddies. Ah. We served pizza a lot. <laughs> that too. There was always food. You look at me now and you can tell if there is food, I will come. <laughs> but, um, so you fast forward, you know, um, I have my ups and downs with my faith. And then, you know, through God's grace alone, I am kind of reborn and I, I find myself again and I end up in the seat I'm in. But um, before we get to that part, I literally come and visit me and my wife too as we're searching for a home church in Marion. We visit when the journey was out on 37 and we actually visited two pastors prior or before Jordan. And it was one of those like, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe it's not the church that we belong to yet. But we did have a, a mutual acquaintance with some people that were there and we were like, oh, let's try it again. We're going to try again. And then Jordan actually ends up taking over, and it was just one of those, like, ah, oh, moments. Like, oh, man, hey, I remember this guy from back when. So at the end of a sermon one day, I go up to Jordan, and I'm like, hi, oh, Jordan Bird, how are you? And, Don't you remember me? I remember you. And he's just looking at me like, who is this guy? <laughs> I have no idea who this guy is. And then his wife, actually, I was actually good friends with her her little sister. And so I'm looking at Riley like, oh, Riley, yeah, I know, da-da-da, and, you, you know. And, and she's kind of giving me the same glassed-over look like. She didn't recognize you either? No. Who is this stranger talking to us right now by name? <laughs> Stalker. What's happening? <laughs> and um, come to find out, I end up showing Jordan a picture of myself from back then. So when I say back then, I literally had a nice big afro on my head we're we're talking a good solid like four inches it was it was legit um too legit to quit in fact but i had to my hair can't do that anymore but um yeah so jordan kind of laughs he's like oh yeah 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 i know that guy so just to kind of anything yeah to build the context of how i was then he remembered that guy but no i have grown i've changed a little bit um, filled out. Filled out. I've, I've filled out beyond the means of what I need to now. Um, two kids later. Filled out. Tatted up. Tatted up, yes. I do have tattoos. You were right. Everybody, everyone is aware of that. And, and a beard at times if I choose. If not, though, yeah, I, I yeah. do. I like to mess with people sometimes on Sundays. I'll, I'll show up with like a haircut or I'll shave my face. Take your glasses off, shave and, your face, yeah. cut your hair, and you look I, like a totally different I have been welcomed to our church several times as a visitor. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. But that's that's a little bit on me. Um I don't want to take up all of our time because we've, we've got a really good topic to talk about today, and I'm so graciously thankful to be paired with my intro to this topic. Well, <laughs> the, the <quintessential laughs> At least it wasn't last week's, I guess, right? Quintessential toxic man. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still toxic. <laughs> Watch out. I should have been a cowboy. Oh, what I tell you about the cheese, man? What I tell you? <laughs> Have a, a For bar. our listeners, apparently no. I get too cheesy with no. some of my lines. <laughs> they can be the judge of that. Well, toxic masculinity seems to be a very um, 
popular topic or popular term right now, but by far it's nothing new. No, yeah. no, not I agree. at all. They were just kind of labeled it and pushed it to the forefront. And, and I think, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's getting attention and getting it's being used as I don't want to say a scapegoat, but because you know we'll argue. I don't like you know spoiler alert where we're headed with this is that masculinity is not the issue. Mm-hmm. You know the lack of true biblical masculinity mm-hmm. is the issue. But I think a lot of the, there's some really concerning things happening in our culture mm-hmm. today, right? And what some people are doing is pointing to some, you know, traditional masculine and male traits and saying, see, that's what happens when we tell boys they have to be fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. We get school shootings, right? Mm -hmm. We get bullies. We get um, prisons that are predominantly, you know, uh, males Mm -hmm. are, I mean, the the stats uh, for violent crimes, it's, it's predominantly male. Uh, we get the the uh, sexual aggressiveness and entitlement that we're seeing come to, you know, come home to roost with the Me Too movement, you know. And so these issues that are legitimate, broken issues in our society, people are, 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 are taking this and saying, see, it, that's the issue. This, yeah. this idea of the traditional male and what the culture says that they need to be is what's leading us to to these issues. And so that, that's kind of the, the idea of toxic masculinity. I think we looked up urban dictionary because I think this is a cultural thing, right? And we yeah, don't think we need like an official, this isn't, yeah, this is not a biblical, you know, phrase or, or term. This is a, this is a cultural thing. And we're going to talk about what is the gospel. Was the, the culture's talking about this, right? We had the Gillette commercial that yes, got everybody yes. wound up. <laughs> right. And then more recently, the Peloton commercial, which is, yes. was, was perhaps less, I don't know. That be was careful. Be was careful. More weird than whatever, but <laughs> but yeah. So these, but but the culture's talking about it, and so we want to talk about. Okay, what does the gospel say? What what is what is the Bible? What, what does it have to do with that? And so, but but anyway. So Urban Dictionary defines toxic masculinity as a social science term that describes the narrow and repressive type of ideas about the male gender role, uh, defining masculinity as exaggerated masculine traits like being violent, uh, unemotional, sexually aggressive. And so forth. It also suggests it's this idea that suggests that if if someone is not violent enough or not, it doesn't do all the things that quote unquote real men do, that you can lose your man card, right? So it's mm-hmm. sort of that that idea that people are are pointing to and and saying, see, that's the issue. So we need to, you know, we need to do away with that traditional idea of masculinity because that's resulting in these these things. And so, yeah. Um, that's what brings us to our conversation. What, what are your guys' thoughts? When's the first time you heard that term, toxic masculinity? Really, I think that term only this past year or so, like you said, it's kind of been tied to the Me Too movement. But, like, you know, I think some synonym phrases would be like macho or machismo, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and um, I think I think like that. Um, but, I mean, you know, Kind of thinking about this topic for the past couple of days, I've been thinking, what what are some biblical examples? And I always go back to Goliath. He was a bully, yeah. you know. He was, um, and I think about you know the, like I said, this is nothing new. You know, the 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 armies that conquered other armies would would take the women and and take advantage of them yeah. and just downright, you know, rape and pillage, and. Um, 
uh, Thomas Lynn, I think about um, the Three Amigos, and they have the, the bandits of, of um, and they were talking about interchanges. It said, remember, Pato, when we used to uh, ride the women and rape the horses, and you know, he had it turned around instead of rape the women and ride the horses. You know, so, anyway, I was thinking about that. Three, I'm three sad that everybody didn't get to see you act that out. <laughs> Very sad. What's even more sad is some people who maybe have not seen the movie Three Amigos. And yes, please rent that just so that you know what I mean by that reference. But, but those things sort of depict this this culture idea of yeah uh, a man, you know, a man's man, or if you will, and you know, you got everything. I mean, you got lots of different images. Who, what comes, what comes to mind? Like, what uh, character or celebrity like comes to mind? I think of John Wayne, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but just as an image of of masculine, like, so not necessarily toxic masculinity, but when you right. think of like who exemplifies a man in our in our culture, what what comes to mind for y'all? I think right now, yeah, the or Rock, whatever. Dwayne the Rock. Johnson. Oh, okay, yeah, don't, yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah I feel less than now. <laughs> <laughs> Monster. See, I'm a weirdo. I think like Sam Elliott for some reason. Okay. Or, like, Tom Selleck. I think it's the mustache thing that kind of. I'm like, oh, real man grow mustache. So that's where my head goes. But the Rock, it was a way better answer than what I have. I totally agree there. I started to ask like Sam Elliott from Tombstone or Sam oh, Elliott dude, from Today, but he's kind of the dude, same. He's the same <laughs> super hard bad <laughs> dude. Years, like, he's, he's, yeah, 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 he's so, pretty epic. Yeah. But yeah. I was thinking about this because I think in the eighties, you know, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and Dwayne Johnson is the modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger, but but he's bigger, bigger. But, but he has that sensitive side to kind of. Um, Kind of, you know, halfway to yeah. the people that should, you know, say that you shouldn't be. Does he have a sensitive side, or is it just that he has that mini size Kevin Hart next to him all the time? That counts for that. <laughs> so, well, I think that that brings up a good point because part of what we've, part of what this has done, and so there, uh, our culture has sort of, I think, honored, exemplified, and the wrong, sometimes the wrong parts of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you just brought up one of them is is can a man be a man and and have a sensitive side, mm-hmm. right? Because that that's part of part of the tension here is what they would say is we we've we've done a poor job of teaching men to even identify their emotions, mm-hmm. you know, let alone talk about them, express them, and handle them. Uh, you know, to have them at all has been looked looked down upon by by you know lots of us had. You know, you can, it's it's not hard to find men that had dads that told them, you know, boys don't cry, right? Men don't right. cry, and, and and sorts of things. So, so that has contributed to this idea of of machoism that is not true masculinity, but is sort of what what is held up, and, and yeah. So that that's I, there's plenty of, of negative things here, and so I think it's important for us to to not say that the culture is not wrong in having identified a problem. I would just say the problem is not masculinity itself, right? Right, uh, and it's not that there's too much masculinity. I I would say that it's actually that there's a lack of true masculinity. I agree. Right? There's a lack that, of well that's said, that's well what said. has put us at a deficit as a society. It's not that there's too much manliness. It's that we've got the wrong definition of manliness, and we have too little of of true. Masculinity. So, so let's talk about that. What, 
there are, you know, we did a whole series at our church called Gender Revealed where we talked about gender, right, and God's design for the, the differences and the, you know, the, the sameness, right, that male and female created equal, you know, no, not one is, is better than or less than the other, and yet they are distinct, right? Both are image bearers of God, but they have distinct roles to play within that. So we did a whole series on that. And, and so, you know, let's, let's talk about what are the ways, has God made us different as men? Um, and if so, what, what does that look like? What, in what ways are, you know, um, does the Bible uh, put forward biblical manhood? What, what are the things about men that, that, are, that are good and right and God-given? Well, I mean, if, if you, like, I, I'll just kind of start in a little bit. I mean, one of the things, I mean, we're, we're to be the protector and provider of our family. I mean, you, I always like using the illustration, you know, the umbrella shows us as being the ones carrying the family, supporting the family, both spiritually and, you know, and a lot of people that all oh, financially, yeah, you know, let's not dive into that aspect. Sure. But biblically, yeah, we're, we're the providers, the nurturers and protectors of our homes and you know our loved ones so i mean that's one of those things that i sometimes think a lot of people lose track of that and they turn around and look at today's world where it's like oh the men of the house should be big buff strong not put up no no nonsense and this and that and i'm going whoa biblically are you providing for your home on a spiritual level right now because (laughs) you're the monster if you are like that is awesome that's what strength is to me, like that you're able to open your Bible with your family. Um, a while back, we were doing during our Advent series, we had families, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, you know, things like that, reading a story in front of our church with the kids. Like that right there, that's what a man does in my eyes. Now, like I look at that and I'm like, that's what our father wanted for us, like our heavenly father. He literally sent his son out to, to do gospel teachings with us. How are we not supposed to be mimicking like like that is a man to me? That's just I just want to throw my little bit in. Neil, what are you thinking? Well, along those lines, I think um, to be a man is the one that initiates. Mm. That we are to be proactive, not reactive, but proactive. Um, when it comes to family, I think it's the man that needs to be out front and you know initiates. You know, we're, we're going in this direction as a family. Um, I think about, you know, Luke, um, the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. The father is out on the front porch. I thought you were going to say Luke Skywalker. <laughs> in a land far, far away. Oh, Anakin taught his master Lindsay right oh, there. Yeah, wow. yeah, no. Who yeah. would have known that we could have pulled this in? <laughs> That's legit. I mean, there's a lot of cultural depictions. We could talk a little yeah. bit more about that later, but yeah. But going back to the the the, the, the parable the, of the loving father, mm. it's the father that's on the front porch looking for the for the wayward son to come back home. He's actively looking for the son to come home, and when he does see the son from a distance, he doesn't wait for the son to come to the front porch. No, he goes and runs to the son. Yeah. So the father initiates reconciliation in that parable. Yeah. Um, so I always see, you know, a man is to to be the initiator, the one that takes responsibility, that is proactive, that's not reactive, but proactive. So um, 
I think about that, and I think, like you said, like I think about Adam in the garden. He is the cultivator of the garden. So he's the one to um, not only plant the seed, but he's the one to make sure that the seed flourishes and grows. Yeah. So we're responsible for the nourishment of, of, our, of, the, of, of what has been placed in our care, whether that be... <clears throat> Whether that be our actual like children and, and spouses, but also what's been placed into your care. For me, as a small business owner, I see that not as something to be taken advantage of, but that's something that's been been placed into my care to be a good steward, to be a good responsible cultivator of that business. Yeah, yeah, and I think we do see all, almost all of that wrapped up pretty quickly in the creation story, right? Where God creates man and then create and then gives him this creation, right? And 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 tells him to, to go forth and 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 fill the earth, subdue it and cultivate it. And so so that's that's conquering, that's that's building, all of those things. Um, but yeah, so in that he's he's called to be a provider, he's called to be a protector, he's given a, a family and, and so all those things are wrapped up. And then I think what the other thing you start to see when you're honest with yourself about how, how God has, has made like God himself, like we're made in God's image and there is a, there's a wildness to the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can see that in creation. If you like, you just think about creation and some of the things we're fascinated with, you know, people are fascinated with shark week, you know, <laughs> uh, because I never understood that. Well, but people are fascinated with sharks, right? Be, because they're, and part of that is like we can't tame them, we can't control them, right? Same thing with grizzly bears, and and, and there's there's a wildness to the the world that God said He didn't say, "Oops, I made that a little too aggressive." No, no. What did He say about it? He said it was good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, all of that, and and so there's there's a part of God's nature that is that is at its core wild, and we're made in His image, and so you know one of the one of the more formative writers on this, I think that's, that's fairly well known. It was a big deal in my life is John Eldridge, and he wrote a book called Wild at Heart, and and he talks a lot about just observing, and, and you know, again, we can kind of get into some gender issues here, uh, you know, potentially, and we did address that in our in our sermon series. You can find it on our website, thejourneysi.org. Uh, um, but you know, because we're not going to unpack that a ton, but I mean, he talks about like you know, you give a little, you turn a little boy loose outside. And, and what's he going to do? He's going to take a stick and he's going to, what did you say earlier? Turn it into a sword, sword right? Yeah. Um, you you build a, a block tower with a little boy. What's he want to do? Tear it down. What's the knock it over, right? <laughs> he wants to... He wants Spend to spend all that time building that. He, he wants, wants to tear He wants down. to conquer. He wants to explore. And I've seen this. So I have three girls and um, they're about to be nine, seven, and five. And then I've got a little boy that's, that's one. 14 months and the difference has been so fun for me to watch because he he has that spirit already mm. he wants to be outside so bad or in the garage those are his favorite places mm. why because things in the garage have wheels and he loves anything with wheels right <laughs> he loves to be outside and he will he'll pick up a stick and he'll bang it on and he just likes to explore and, and he doesn't care if he's cold it doesn't he just that's and he, he he sees the front door open and he's crying if he doesn't get to go out and so and just adventurous on a whole nother level and wants to explore so it's fun for me to observe. And so those things, I, I think, are, are innate in, in men, and, and they play out differently. This is not to say that, that the biblical definition of, of, of manhood is, you know, um, 
Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, there's, there needs to be a broader mm-hmm. sense in which we accommodate what it means to be a, a man. Um, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, David is a good example of that because David is the, one of the baddest fighters that we know, right? Mm-hmm. E- even historically, like, he was an incredible warrior from day one. One of the things we see is him slaying the big bully, you know, that you talked about earlier with Goliath. And, and, and yet... That's true of him, and he's a conquering king and an incredibly accomplished warrior, and yet the dude wrote poetry and music like crazy, right? So there's an emotional side to him that, so we we should not pigeonhole one of those things or the other, right? And say that that a man that has emotions and does write, you know, poetry, that that he's less than, or that that has any less of a place in in the life of a man than, than not, and so... How about you guys growing up? Were you told not to have those sorts of things? And, and as far as like, were you, were, you, were you able to cry? Were you able to express emotion? Or were you sort of told that wasn't allowed? So what's funny, as soon as you, you're talking about David and then you said, oh, well, he had an emotional side. Like, I don't know about you, Neil, but immediately in my head I was like, oh, he said he had an emotional side. Like, immediately I, I thought, oh, no, he said emotional. Like, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> but yet, no, so that's the thing. Like, it's so programmed in. To today's society, sit and think, oh, men can't be emotional. You, you can't have your feelings on your sleeve. You can't cry in public. You can't, you know, share these things. So growing up in the household I grew up in, and I mean, we'll dive into probably more or less how I was raised. I, I was raised in a gay household. You know, I, I had a mother who had a female partner. So I almost feel like it was overstimulated for me to 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 take the manly route, you know, like to, to be manly, to not share your emotions, this and that, but yet I kind of became a super softy once I found my wife. Like, all of a sudden it was accepted that, oh, Anthony, you don't have to be hiding these things. Like, you're allowed to share those. So, like, (laughs) I always give Aaron a hard time. Like, I watch certain movies. Like, you want to see a grown man cry? You let me sit and watch Fox and the Hound Disney movie, and you're going to see me, like, weep for hours. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. um, no, so, like, in the house I grew up, it was just very, like, overstimulating. Anthony... You know, you, you, you don't cry. You, you don't need to, you know, whine about something not going your way. you, you got to get out there to tough it out harder until it goes your way. Like, you've got to earn it kind of thing. So, I don't know. I don't think I can speak the best on that because I feel like i got an, a, a whole different side of it. So, what about you, Neil? Yeah. Well, you know, I my childhood was... Um, not unique, I'm sure uh, some people can relate. I was the baby of the family, and, and my parents had me and my sister and I uh, later in years. So my father was older um, when I was growing up, and he was also uh, worked a lot. I mean, and he would admit that himself. And so my father was emotionally absent from my childhood. Okay. And so it's not that I wasn't told I couldn't cry. I just never saw it mm, and, and yeah. was never taught, you know, healthy right. expressions of emotion. Okay. Yeah, which I think is pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember I had an interaction with somebody in the last few years um, where I was emotional um, and and he didn't know what to do with that. He just admitted, like, I kind of said he's having a hard time respecting me right now because I'm because I'm being emotional and and that was the thing and so you know we we had to sort of talk through that like okay I got, 
I may be over I may be overreacting to the situation, but the fact that I'm being emotional and that I'm crying is not like that is not in itself an issue. Like there's several verses, right? Not only yeah. is David weeping regularly and, and is there a whole you know, there's there's lots of emotional psalms and lamentations and those sorts of things and stories where David is, is, is weeping mm-hmm. over his own sin, over different things in his life and over loss. Um, but then also you have Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus weeps and Jesus engages. And Jesus has emotions. And so... It's the first Bible verse I memorized. It's an easy one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I, and I think that that's what, that's what my hope is in this conversation is that we can, we can, we can sort of redirect... Um, what what God has called us to be, and that that spirit that He has put in us, because He has made like we, you know, again, there, there's this can get derailed into gender conversations, but the reality is we are on average, by and large, you know, bigger and stronger, and and that's there's for a reason, right? God has called us to to carry certain burdens and to to fill certain roles that He made us that way on purpose, right? And um. And I think we shouldn't dichotomize strength and emotion. That, in fact, strength is probably most well displayed in, in gentleness, right? Like, mm-hmm. that it's not just somebody who is gentle that, like, gentleness is, is most well displayed by somebody who's actually quite quite strong, that, mm-hmm. that displays that tenderness, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have the Lord on one hand in Exodus and several other places in Psalms, like, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Like, it, the Bible depicts God as a warrior several times, but then at the same time, you have a Matthew, Matthew eleven thirty nine, coming to me, um, you who are, are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. For for my heart is like tender, his 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 spirit is gentle, right? So you have both of those things, and and we shouldn't dichotomize those. And so, but I think again, I think the problem is um, how, how do we um, harness. <laughs> what God has put in us as men for the good of not only our own life well-lived, but these things that are in there that are strengths are supposed to be used for the good of the people around us, right? For the good of the society at large, for the good of the church. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's what I think is missing. So I'll share this story, and I'll try not—I'll try not to just keep yammering. But I think this is helpful is to set up the rest of the conversation. So I shared this in one of the sermons on on gender or on, on biblical masculinity. But um, there were several years ago um, that there was some uh, rangers in, in a national park in Africa that were faced with an ele- elephant population that had grown too large. And so they decided to, to move some of the elephants to other parks, but they created a contraption to carry the elephants by helicopter, but it, was, it wasn't it was big enough and substantial enough to carry adult males. They couldn't carry them. So they decided to take females and adolescent males, or, or, or juvenile, I think males is the way they put it. And everything seemed to be going fine until they, they noticed that the in the new home where they had transplanted these elephants that all of a sudden they started to notice that, that white rhinos were turning up dead and it wasn't hunters, it wasn't people poaching them. Instead, they started to realize it was elephant tusk and, and then other, other, um, other elephants were being um, attacked as well and, and knocking them down and goring them and, and, and all these things. And so they finally realized that it was elephants, even though this behavior is unheard of by elephants. Like they don't ever, they're not, violent by, by nature, certainly 
not just aggressively attacking you know things that aren't a danger to them. They're generally docile creatures who rarely attack other animals, especially when they're in packs. Yet these juvenile male elephants had banded together and were terrorizing not just the white rhinos, but other animals as well. And so they, they came up with this theory that under normal circumstances, a dominant adult bull elephant keeps the younger bulls in line. So when, for an example, elephants uh, experience muth, which is uh, kind of like uh, puberty, right? So their yeah. levels of testosterone skyrocket. And so that's normal, but whenever they would do that, the older bull elephants would keep these guys in line, right? They would, they would sort of keep them in check. And so without that, they'd been transplanted in this place where there was no uh, adult uh, dominant males to keep them in check. These, these, they ran wild, right? It, their, their strength had been distorted, and they, they were terrorizing. And so they, they decided to test this theory by bringing in some, some adult males, and sure enough, those guys kind of just, in no uncertain terms, like showed those young elephants that's that's not that's not how we behave. You know, they they just put them in line. That's not elephant like, and so they corrected the problem. So I think that's a beautiful um, picture that that I got from uh, a book by Donald Miller on on the fatherless generation, where he talked about like that. That's the problem in our culture. It's not that boys are bad inherently and it's not that the nature that is within them is bad it's that we have a lot we have a father crisis hmm. right we have a lack of men cultivating and harnessing that strength for the good of society the good of people that's the issue and so i, I think that's indicative of uh, yeah we do have boys that are that are spouting off and killing multiple people um, and we do have bullies you know the videos nowadays you see of you know boys in locker rooms pounding on other kids and other kids standing by or taking out their video like th- those are distortions of strength right and they're actually probably born from places of insecurity definitely you know most of the time and so we should be teaching you know our boys to protect the weak and the vulnerable with their strength we should and then at the same time you, you've got you got this dominant culture of, of video gaming and most of those video games call of duty and you know for, i don't know much about them all but but a lot of them are what they're war games right yeah. and, and so yeah. and what i think that just affirms and not that girls don't play that but it's predominantly a male demographic and what that confirms is like we are drawn to having a battle to fight like god's put that nature in us to to have a a longing for this sense of 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 battle and again so that's there and we can either call that bad and suppress that and try to neuter or castrate that or we can try to harness that and so um i don't know what do do you guys think what are some ways that we can we can we can do that practically um, in the church in particular, I mean, I think in society at large, but I mean, our, our influence is primarily talking about in the church. Yeah. So honestly, one of the things that like I, I feel horrible because I was trying to listen as best I could to what you were saying, but this thought came into my head when you started, I, I can't remember exactly what I wanted to reference in on, be the bigger man. How many times had you heard that in your life? Oh no, be the bigger man. Go apologize or be the bigger man. Go and acknowledge that you were wrong. I feel like we've lost track of that. We're, are we being the bigger man? Are we finding the opportunities to let the gospel lead our life right now? Are we being the bigger man to allow ourselves to 
show what today's world is calling vulnerable in that, oh, you know what? I'm going to let my heart lead rather than my fist. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying right now that <laughs> it's wimpy. I, I don't want that depiction to come across. And I don't want it to be that we're scared or we want to hide behind our faith or we want to hide behind our feelings. But, I mean, we need to be the bigger men. We need to be the men that are, are going to address what we can biblically and also in real time today that it's not going out and, and leading with a punch and leading with your dagger or your gun, but it's going out and leading with right and wrong, biblically speaking, and, and just morally. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if exactly I'm answering what you're wanting answered, but I just feel like that phrase just keeps like it's just running through my hand. Be well, the bigger man. Like, but even that, the ability to be the bigger man is 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 going to be rooted in the ability to be secure. Yeah. No. And so that's my thing. Like we we uh, as grown yeah. men in the gospel who are equipped with it know it are trying to equip others with it. We need to show that hey, there is a you don't need to be insecure about that. Yeah. Right. We need to. That's what I'm trying to get across. We need to be the bigger men and actually act out on that. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of where. I feel like this topic's taking me right now. Like that's that's me though. What about you, Neil? No, I definitely agree. Because <laughs> um, I, I think about you know you don't want to be arrogant, um, <clears throat> and so I always try to counteract arrogance with confidence. Confidence is being secure in what I know and what I don't know, and not you know I don't have to have you guys know that I'm I'm confident in just being silent. When I, when I can and, and when silence um, when the situation calls for something to be spoken then I can speak up right um, but I don't have to have the last word in a, in a, in a conversation whether that's a debate or just a, a discussion I don't have to have the last word I'm not that aggressive um, alpha male I just threw out that term so um but, you know, I, talk, I think about what's the difference between arrogance and confidence? What's the difference between aggressiveness versus assertive? Because mm. um, growing up, I, I'm just temperament-wise, I'm a very laid-back, go with the flow. I'm a, diplom- I'm a diplomat. I mean, I don't, I'm not the warrior, but I'm the one that tries to find peace, try to find um, compromise whenever possible. So I've never been described as an aggressive individual. But I've, I've learned the distinction, though, that, there's, that it's okay to be assertive, mm-hmm. to, to stand your ground yeah. um, without having to, you know, push someone well, off my ground, I guess. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I, I'm think rambling. It, I mean, I think of some of those videos of the bullying in the, in the locker rooms where... And, and so you have that distinction. That dichotomy is, is displayed right there. So you have some boys who feel like in order to establish their identity, their dominance, that they need to put others down and literally beat others down. right? And that's a distortion of strength, right, to prey on the weak. However, what I'm screaming about most, because evil's going to exist, right? Yeah. What I'm screaming about most in those videos is the boys standing around not doing anything and videoing it instead of stepping in, right? Yeah. So. I don't want my son on on the side of, of being the bully and pounding on that kid. I don't want my son on the side of being the one being pounded. What I hope is that if my son's in that locker room, he's the one stepping in. Exactly. That he's the one standing up for the vulnerable. And I think that 
is biblical, honorable masculinity. Not that we like to fight for the sake of fighting, but that we will step in for the vulnerable, that we will protect. And, that, and, even, and, and even if that doesn't mean that if we don't have the physical strength to, you know, like there's that strength and courage and protection can be displayed in a lot of ways. I mean, there's guys that can do a whole lot more damage uh, and, you know, and protection on both sides of that. There's guys that can, on the distorted side of that, that can do a whole lot more damage with their technical skills and their cyber, cyber knowledge than, you know, anybody can with, with muscle. And on the same side of that, there's guys who can protect a whole lot more and and provide a whole lot more security. And even, you know, the guys driving drones in our military, like, and those are guys and gals, but like that's a, you know, the, it, so it doesn't have to be this physical strength uh, that is, you know, necessarily displayed. We need to be able to teach men that even if they don't have, uh, you know, a, a physical presence that is, Dominating that, that they're still called to be um, ones that speak up for, stand up for the vulnerable, and that they they can find their role in that, and and and, and that you know that is honorable. That is what God has called us to as men. And I, and I think you know some of the pushback you get on this is is the, the you know biblical definition of masculinity has often been over caricatured to to be. This idea of you know the the head of household means the women gotta submit and be quiet and get in the kitchen whatever but but I think again that's a distortion if you have the the true definition of biblical masculinity one who's laying themselves down like that men are supposed to love their wives as what as Christ loved the church, church and what did he do yeah. for her? he laid himself down for her right and when we have that kind of man who's called to live and love sacrificially and selflessly. That that is is a man that most women are, are glad to follow and glad to submit to because he's not doing it out of some form of selfishness. So, yeah. I, and again, there's I mean, there's a lot of issues here. But how, do we teach our men how to honor women? Okay, so a sex drive is not a bad thing, right? To, like God made us to enjoy the beauty of a woman. That is a good thing. But it's been distorted, right? Yes. Big time. Yes. And so, yeah, absolutely. Men um, using their power whether that be just influence or whether that be physical strength to take advantage of a woman should absolutely be condemned and condoned and, and called out because that is toxic. That is harmful. Um, so when we teach our young men how to honor women, right? Still be, st- to still admire their beauty, but honor them, right? And to mm-hmm. pursue sexual holiness and purity in a, in a, in a godly manner. Like those sorts of things are, lost in a lot of ways and, and I think the church has to be the ones that sends in those older elephants right we have to be the ones that, that <laughs> respond to the cry of our culture and its need for a masculine presence yeah and step in definitely and I mean you know what I, I keep hearing this talk and I know we keep referring to the boys of the world like we're we keep labeling it as it's the boy let's let's not be shy about it I mean Men have the issue as well. Oh, yeah. Some men, even possibly in our own area, possibly in our own church, we we need one another to be that eldered elephant, if you would, to, to be that elephant to help put others in place who didn't have that. That's right. So, I mean, I, I think we need to be super aware of that and super conscious of the fact that, hey, it's okay if you realize that, You've astrayed and you've you've become part of the problem. 
don't try and save the fact of saying this son is how you are going to be. This is how we have to raise you. We, we've got to have the biblical mindset at hand. Stop. If you yourself are not going to partake in that and live your life to the fullest, because again, our culture, our world, we are very visual learners. If your child, your son, your grandson, your niece, your nephew, not your niece, sorry, um, don't see you playing that out, words are words. This is something that also takes action. So when you're saying that, you know, I, I just want our listeners to be very aware of the fact that, hey, don't just hear this and try and speak it. Take action. Be those elder elephants that, you know, have to be in place. Be those mentors. Be those That's right. manly men of God and actually portray the things we're, we're speaking on right now, okay? I just wanted to throw that out. Sorry. Absolutely is legit. The biggest men, be men. Act like men, Paul tells the Corinthian church. Act like men. Uh, he tells Timothy, as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Mm, yes. That's another thing we don't talk about. Like That desire for a battle and an adventure... Adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a beauty to rescue is how Eldridge would put it. And I agree. I think those are image-bearing things about God that he's put in man, that we long for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. The gospel provides that, (laughs) right? And we have the answer as a a church to what the the culture is crying out for, where young men need a purpose. (laughs) If they don't have one, they're going to... They're going to turn to these other areas, right? They're going to get caught up in video games, and that may or may not get distorted. There's lots of other factors. I'm not, I didn't mean to say that video games lead to mass shootings. That's certainly not, you know, not true. That that's not a clear causation. I think there's a correlation, right? And 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 um, and something we should be aware of. That and but again, the gospel is what gives us that we do have a battle to fight, right? That that it's not against flesh and blood. That it's actually eternity's at stake. Mm-hmm. And God is our, our, our champion, our warrior. Jesus is our, our king on the throne that has conquered the enemy and calls us forward. And, and he does call us to protect the vulnerable and to, and to stand up for them. And, and at the same time, you know, we need to be the ones that, that teach our young men to identify their emotions and express them. And that it's okay to, it's okay to be artistic. It's okay to um, be upset. It's okay to write poetry. It's okay, you know, those sorts of things should not be scoffed at by, by men, but rather embraced. And so, yeah, I think men need to be fathers, um, but then the rest of us can't just sit back and blame the kids who didn't have, like we need to step in and be mentors. We need to step exactly. in and not just in a theoretical sense, like actually do that and sign up and say, you know what, I'll give my time to a young man and, I, and I'll, I'll walk alongside of him and I'll, I'll be what I can for him. Uh, you know, we have journey kids here, you know, that, that's a great place to, to serve. We have some single moms that bring their kids here that, that need that. We have journey students here again, like those are places where men, whether you not ever had kids or whether you're done raising your kids or you just got some margin, even while you're doing your own, like those are the places where we can step in and I think redeem what God has, has made good, right? He's made it good, uh, man. Man, manliness, the, the the those sorts of things are good and should be redeemed and not castrated 
not done away with, not, not be apologized for, but rather called out, cultivated, harnessed. Neil, you're in deep thought. I know I, I didn't. I started preaching. Yeah, you'll have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm feeling. Wow. Like, Talk to me, brother. Talk <laughs> to me, hey, man. Yes. Yeah. Any other thoughts or? I, well, that, that last word that you used—that's a great imagery of you know harnessing that power. You know, it's um, if if left unharnessed, it can do a lot of right danger. I mean, it's dangerous to leave anything unharnessed. Like that, that that's that powerful. Um, this is a, a different topic, but someone once used the imagery of, you know, like, show of hands, how many of you guys like to set fires in your living room? <laughs> and like, no, you don't. But yeah. how many of you have fireplaces? Right. And it's harnessing that that ability to have a fire in that provides warmth. Um, but it's it's done in the confines of a safe structure. Yeah. If it's not, it's going to burn your whole house down. Yeah, and that's good. It's a good place to end. Guys, got any other thoughts? Hey, I honestly think this podcast might be my favorite one. I'm going to throw that out there. Everything we've talked about, I feel like this is something that is super practical. Things that should be we should be applying already. And I feel like this is something that, as a church, as men of the church, we need to stand up and stop. I mean, we need to have the attitude the buck stops here. Yep. We, we need to be Amen. the change in our community and impact the world with this. So yeah. We don't just call it out. We're going to do something we're gonna, about it. We're going to do yeah. something about it. Amen. Let it be. Let it be. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to another episode of Fermented Faith. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. Send us an email to info at fermentedfaith.com. If you have complaints, send that to jaybird at si.com. No. But until next time, have a great day.